So I was thinking, okay, let me just find the perfect story to create a catchy intro for my lesson. I, I couldn't find one. So what I have is a lot of just like memories and things. So have you ever lost your keys, like your car keys? Like you're trying to, and, and it's just so, I, I don't get it. I mean, sometimes you are late to, to, um, to work or late to something, late to a meeting, and then you have everything in the right place, everything. And you, you are just ready to leave your house, but you cannot find those keys. So, and it's funny, because if you're married, it's, it's a common question. Like, I always ask Carla, okay, hey, have you seen uh, my car keys? And she's like, uh, yes, same place as always. And then I start thinking, what is same place as always? I mean, is she telling me like, close to the door, the table, my little table in the room, what is same place? And then I ask the next question. Okay, uh, yeah, uh, but 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 what is that? What what is exactly the same place? And then she's like, it's the same place. And then she's like, okay, um, uh, do you want me to help you to find them? It's like, yes, because I'm pretty sure you won't find them because they are not there. And then, then she goes, she's like, hey, here. And it's been like that, like forever. My mom was just like that too. Uh, I have some friends, you know, that, that struggle every single morning to find their keys. There's this image on the internet. I don't know if you have seen it, um, but there's this image on the internet of a conversation, a text uh, message conversation between two people. And in fact, it's a boyfriend and a girlfriend. And then the guy said, hey, can you believe that I lost my phone and I was trying to look for it using the light on my phone? And then the answer is, oh, really? Did, did you find it? I said, yes, I did. Oh, where was it? And I know it's not that funny. I know. And because I... I so the other person is like, okay, even worse than the first one. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> but I was like, oh, it's because sometimes things are just right there. And I have one more, one more. This morning, the projectors were not working. Okay, that's a big problem. So when they did the setup for the whole thing, they told me, hey, listen, Carlos, you see these four boxes here? Yeah. Okay, make sure that the, the blue light is always on. Not blinking, but just like always on. So, okay. And what happens if it is not on? Well, just like this reset button and then you disconnect this, but they need to be on all the time. Okay, perfect. So, they were blinking this morning. So, oh, this is not good. They're, they're, they're blinking. They're blinking. So, I did. So, I, I came to the room. The girls are there. And I came like, like, like you know, I'm expert. Say, hey, come on, let me fix this. So, push the bottom. Nothing. And I was like, oh. Okay, let me disconnect, I disconnected it, that nothing. And then, you know, I gotta be humble enough to say, hey, I'm texting the IT guy, hey, guess what, this is not working. So, and I already checked everything, I saw the whole thing that you told me before, and it's not working. And then he's like, oh, did you check the other box? I said, wait, do we have another box? Yeah, there's another box. You just like make sure that that box is on. And then I was like, oh, it's not on. Okay, turn it on. And I did, and then they were working. But that box was always there the whole time. Um, so this story that we just read, it's something similar. And I can like get many, many lessons from 
this story and I, I like this story it's it's uh, somehow I feel connected to it and there is something I want to tell you about some stories well all the stories in the New Testament that sometimes we miss um, we come to the book of Acts with the approach that this is a historical book and that we are just following all the events and the things that happened to the church in the first century however there is something I will say bigger behind that that idea yes we can come to the stories of the New Testament uh, to see what they were doing and the way they were behaving and the activities and the fellowship and everything that's super important but also the writers had in mind the idea of communicating a deeper message and to communicate a deeper message in the style and the context and everything um, in the first century was a little bit different than the idea we have today when we communicate something. So every single time they were telling people, uh, you know, oral tradition, uh, stories, or just like letters or stuff like that, yes, they were communicating historical facts, but behind that, they were including a theological message. So what is the spiritual revelation this is those words behind the text. Yes, this happened, this is real, but there is something else. Why they decided to do it this way? Because they believe that in every single act of, story, uh, act of history, God was moving. God was doing something. Not everyone was able to see that. People were in front of the same events, and they had the freedom to do an interpretation of them like, Oh yeah, that happened that way. Oh, they killed that guy. Oh, look at that. Yes. But the authors of the New Testament wanted for the Christian community to see the message behind that specific event. In order for them to do that, they decided to include some key elements that will enrich that story. So when we read this thing about Paul, we see some key elements. It's not only for us to learn how he was basically converted to Christianity. It's not only for us to see only that he was persecuting the church and now he's one of the apostles. It's more than that. Yes, that is important, but it's something else that we need to also discover in this text. So what I'm proposing this morning is just a simple uh, formula. It's like three words. Encounter, knowledge, and revelation. Let me say it again. Encounter, knowledge, and revelation. Keep this in mind. These three words. So, before going into each of these words, this story is your story and my story. The authors of the New Testament wanted also for the community to learn that when God was calling someone or when God was doing something powerful among them, it was not to choose a few individuals to accomplish the mission, and then people will be like, oh, wow, that was powerful. Look, he was walking and he saw a light, and then he heard that voice. Oh, wow, we, we didn't have that experience. We didn't have that experience. But the authors didn't have that in mind. What they wanted is like, let me tell you a story of this person that is also your story. They didn't want to minimize the story of transformation of the individuals just pointing to the story of transformation of one specific person. So when Luke is telling us the story of Paul, what he's saying is, yes, this is how God 
called Paul to do something. Something powerful. But it's the same way that God is calling you to do something powerful. So this story, it's your story and it's my story. Encounter. Okay, so Paul, in this case Saul, is he's walking to do something very specific. He is convinced that Christianity shouldn't be accepted as a part of their religious tradition. That it's inappropriate in, in many ways. And that he needs to defend what he believed, what he learned. Because that meant that he was following God's will. So he knows what he wants to do. He has passion, determination. He's ready. He was a good man. In his heart, he wanted to do the right thing for God. And that's exactly what he was doing. So he's walking now, and then suddenly something unexpected happened. Just try to bring your mind to the first century. Paul, some people, and then out of nowhere, they see a light. Okay? And then Paul is hearing a voice. And the voice is saying, Saul, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you persecuting me? He has some respect for that voice. He doesn't know who's talking. But he has some respect. Because Hebrew people from many, many years before that, they believed that visions and voices and stuff from heaven could happen. So he had some respect. He said, uh, who are you, Lord? Well, what do you mean? I am Jesus. Just think about that. Think about that. What is he going to do? Oh, yeah, I'm going to get all of these people, all of these followers of this guy called Jesus. Because he's claiming that he's the Messiah. And now they have created this movement that they call the way. So I'm going to go and get Jesus. That's exactly what he is or he was planning to. And then Jesus said, I am Jesus. I should be like, I don't know, that's, that's like a big moment. So wait a minute. Wait, wait, yes, I am Jesus. Why are you persecuting me? Why are you doing this to me? Now I'm going to tell you something. Do this, do this, very specific instructions. So this encounter. Why is it so important for us to understand the encounter? Because the encounter is the beginning of transformation. People can come and tell you something. Probably many at the beginning of the story, I don't know, or many during the first century were trying to talk to Paul and say, maybe some friends, we just don't know. Hey, Paul, yes, we're following the way now. This is different. And maybe Paul decided to just become enemies with this group of people because he didn't believe that. But many people from... Um, the Jewish tradition decided to convert to Christianity. Paul was not one of them. Saul was not one of them. But maybe he had some previous conversations with friends. But he was not convinced. So the encounter was needed. Not only for him to see Jesus, 
but also for the community to understand that the beginning of transformation requires an encounter. And what is the difference between just reading or getting information and having an encounter? Well, the idea, the nature behind this story when we talk about an encounter is the word intimacy. That is the difference. Normally in the Old Testament, when they wanted to have a transition from one place to another in terms of religion, they needed to follow certain steps. If you want to do this, then you have to do... I mean, if you want to become one of us, if you want to belong to our community, then you need to follow these steps. And we are going to explain to you everything with details so you can become one of us. That was basically the rule. The rule was like, follow the instructions and then you can become one of us. But Luke is changing the idea. Even though we see some instructions from Jesus to Saul, the main point is not about, hey, follow all of these instructions and then you are going to be one of them. No, now it's God himself saying, hey, I am here. It's intimacy. It's a connection. So the beginning of transformation is this encounter. When we experience Jesus on a deeper level. And experiencing Jesus on a deeper level is not only knowing what he wants, but seeing who he is. And this is different. This takes me to the second word. Knowledge. Who are you, Lord? Saul said. Jesus didn't have a problem. He said, I'm Jesus. I am the one you are persecuting. I am Jesus. So having this encounter and the intimacy. But what is the meaning behind the word or the whole expression, I am Jesus. I am Jesus. In the Old Testament and the New Testament, names were powerful. Names were used to refer, yes, obviously, to the person. However, it was more about the mission and the character. So based on the mission and the calling of that little baby or the character that they were praying for, they were using names. They were using names. Names were pretty symbolic in ancient times. So, when he is saying, I am Jesus, he's confirming something that deep inside of Paul was probably one of his biggest fears. So, that voice saying, I am Jesus, was just basically, let me put it in this way, destroying something inside of Saul. He had that fear probably. Because what Jesus was saying is, I am the Messiah. I am the one. Just think about this. Paul was determined to do whatever he needed to do to stop this movement. Because he was waiting for the Messiah. But he was denying at the same time that this Jesus was the Messiah. So he was probably thinking something like, I am not going to allow anyone to claim I am the Messiah 
Because we are waiting for the real Messiah. And this is apostasy, and this is bad, and I am not going to allow it. And now, that affirmation completely false. Yes, I am the Messiah. That is breaking something inside. Because it's not only revealing what Jesus is, but it's also revealing what Paul is. And that's the second thing when we talk about transformation. First thing is the encounter. We need intimacy to experience the Lord. We need intimacy to see who Jesus truly is. We need intimacy to understand what He wants for us. But also the knowledge of His nature. It's what is breaking everything inside of us to create something new. God cannot build anything new inside of our hearts until everything is completely destroyed. Because inside of us, we have some specific ways to see life. Um, some, sometimes we, we believe that what we know about life in general is the right way for everything. And God wants to give you, give you a new perspective. But it's hard to really understand that until you are broken. When God is teaching us something, our hearts need to be ready. Ready for what? To recognize that probably we are wrong and that we need Him. We need His knowledge. And we need to be humble enough to consider the possibility that what I believe about life in general is probably wrong. But if it is replaced by the knowledge of Jesus, everything is going to be fine. But then we have the, 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 the third word. Revelation. So, what is the first thing that comes to your mind when you think about Revelation? Well, normally people think about the future. They think about the future. Um, when I was little, I remember that I have a lot of friends in the Christian world. Um, world. They didn't... Uh, attend the Church of Christ, but we were friends, we were neighbors. And then all the time they were telling me, hey, last night my pastor gave me this revelation about my future. And I was like, oh, 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 really? Really? Yeah, yeah. So this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and I'm so excited. And I was like, how come I don't have any kind of revelations in my church? No one is telling me my future, and I really want to know what's going to happen. Nothing. So one day I went to ask my preacher, hey, brother, I, I have a question. I mean, do you think that you can give me a revelation for my future? And he's like, what do you mean? No, it's like my friends, you know, they're telling me these things that are going to happen, that they're, they're going to be rich, they're going to be like this. And I was like, I want that too. And he's like, well, son, let, let's, let's just have a conversation. Because we think about it, and, and look, look at the news. Like sometimes people like, well, Christian news, like I remember this guy, I think he was... Uh, well, 2012, but yeah, 2011. I, I can't remember the dates exactly. But this guy was saying, yes, Jesus is coming this specific day. I think it was May 26 or something, 2011. And you have to be ready and you have to be prepared. And this is going to happen and that is going to happen. And then nothing happened. Nothing. And, and how about the idea? I have this friend that when, when he was little, he was so in love with this girl. And then one day he came and said, hey, listen, 
That's it. So what, what do you mean? We're teenagers, okay? So that's it. So what do you mean? <laughs> they told me at church that he's going to be my wife. She's going to be my wife. Oh, she's going to be. How, how, do you, how do they know? Well, I guess the Holy Spirit told him. And it's like, oh, I see. Okay, so t- 15 years after that, I asked him, hey, I have a question for you. So yeah, yeah, well, yeah. What is it? I mean, did she change a little bit? Because this is not the same girl that you told me 15 years before that you know, she was going to be your wife. Oh, no, 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 no. Probably God had a better plan for me. And it's like, oh, okay. It's because when we talk about revelation, people think about future. And then we have a lot of, you know, crazy ideas out there that revelation is about the future. Uh, but revelation in the New Testament is not about the future. In fact, the Greek word revelation means to remove something so you can see. So when we talk about the book of Revelation, for example, it's not a prediction of the future. It's for the Christian communities who were persecuted to see something that they couldn't see. And what was it? That Christ had the victory, no matter what. That was the message. So the book of Revelation, and the word Revelation is to remove something. So now if you're following me, I think you understood exactly what I'm trying to say. Because the last part in the story, when Paul was being persecuted, well, when he was persecuting, he was blind. Completely. He couldn't see. For how many days? Are you following me on this? Three days. Three days. And then... Something was removed. He was able to see. And at that moment, he was like, oh, that's the Eureka moment. Wow. And he decided like, this is going to be my life now. What I have done, what I have believed, no. Now I see. So Revelation is about allowing the Lord To remove what's in front of you so you can see. I was trying to find a little box this morning. I was trying to fix the projectors with my own knowledge. It didn't work. The box was always there all the time. I just needed to like click a button and that was it. But I couldn't see it until I allowed somebody else to tell me what to do. When we allowed the Holy Spirit... And we come with humbleness and say, Lord, what is blocking me to see you? What is blocking me to see your reality? Remove that from my life, even if it is painful. Remove that from my heart. Even if I have to quit some of my ideas and and, and my concepts. We all need revelation. And it's not about future events. It's about what is in front of us. And that God wants for us to enjoy it. And to see it. Now, let me close with this. These three words. Encounter, knowledge, and revelation. The three words are pointing. Not to a book. Not to an idea. But to a person. What's different about Christianity? Among all the religions that existed in the first century, 
What was different about Christianity? That everything was about a person. Someone called Jesus Christ. It was not about the rituals and the instructions and all the steps that you needed to complete in order for you and your family to be holy. It was about that person that one day said, Hey, listen, you are already holy. You are already perfect in the eyes of my Father. You are already blessed. And I'm here for you. And I know what you're dealing with. And I am here for you. I am not that God who is distant. Seeing you from the outside. How are you suffering and saying, You do deserve this. I am the God of the incarnation. Feeling your pain and dealing with your issues as well. This is the real one. And it's completely different. So my invitation this morning, brothers and sisters, is embrace these three words. The encounter, the knowledge, and the revelation. But more than that, do not concentrate on the words. But in the person. Jesus. He wants intimacy with you. Because he knows that intimacy can really change your life. He wants for you to get knowledge of who He is. Because He knows that if you get that knowledge, your heart is going to be broken. But that's just the step to transformation. And let me put it this way, to resurrection. But also, He wants for you and for me to have this revelation. Revelation of His presence. Revelation of what He's doing in the world. So you can be a part of it. Never allow your own ideas to block you from what God is doing. Because He is inviting you every single day. He wants for you to be a part of a transformation He is bringing to this world. It's our decision. Because Paul had this revelation. Everything was removed. He could see. But nothing was pushing him to obey after that. So just because you see, that doesn't mean that you're going to obey. Paul did it. At the end, it's our decision. But the invitation is still here. And the invitation is, come and see. Come and see. And, and, and let, me, let, let me just, I have one more idea that I want to say before I, uh, I finish. Theological message behind. Paul was blind for three days. He couldn't see anything. But then someone, Ananias, he comes. He didn't want to come probably, but he comes. He was praying for him. Everything was removed. And Paul was ready to see. But then Jesus said to Ananias, Hey, listen. It's so important that you go. Because he is going to experience what I went through. I don't know if Ananias like, understood that. But Jesus was doing his ministry. They crucified him. And then he was dead. Three days. The third day, resurrection comes. Everything is different after resurrection. So, that's exactly what we see here. We see the resurrection of Paul. 
this is why it's so important. This idea from, from one of my favorite authors. Um, he said that if we want to experience the Lord, we need to die before we die. We need to die before we die. Because that is the only way to experience resurrection right now, here. And resurrection is not about having a glorious body ready to go to heaven forever. Resurrection is about understanding the kingdom, your mission, your vocation, and taking action with the presence of the Lord.